What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to episode 98. 98, can you believe it? Only two away from 100. I often say that running an online business and especially doing content marketing is a marathon. And I feel like that is completely true now, although it doesn't really feel like I've recorded 100 episodes. But still, when you're trying to build a relationship with your audience through content, it's so important to be consistent. So you've got to pick something that you love. So if you love to write, blogging can really work for you. If you love to talk, then maybe podcasting is your thing or maybe video. You've got to pick the medium that really works for you and plays to your strengths. And for me, this podcast has been such a good decision. I've just absolutely loved being here with you guys every week. And I feel like the relationships that I've developed through the podcast are so much deeper, probably because you sit there and listen to my voice every single week as you're cooking or walking your dog or cleaning the house or whatever it is that you're doing. I'm there with you. And that's so cool. And I really appreciate that you include me in your lives. Anyway, that's not what this week's episode is about. This week, I have a fabulous guest. I'm talking to Phil Palin, who is a brand strategist, and he's just awesome. I've met Phil a couple of times. Most recently, I saw him in September at the New Media Europe conference where Phil was a speaker. And I knew I wanted to have him on the podcast because branding is something that we don't talk about very much on the podcast, but it's something that is existing in all of our businesses. So whether or not you're thinking about your brand, you have a brand and everybody else can see it. Your brand is how people perceive you. So what's your positioning? You know, are you like fancy and high end? Are you like organic and natural? Are you like kind of a hippie or are you super high tech? Like all of that stuff goes into your brand, your website, your business name, the colors that you use, the way you produce your content. And it's there whether you like it or not. And that's why I wanted to have Phil on to talk to us about how to consciously create our brand. And really, since most of you are just starting out with not a big budget, how can you start to create a dynamic, effective, gorgeous brand that you love, even by yourself, even if you're just like DIYing your website, right? What are the few first things that you need to think about? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, the other thing is that I want to make sure that each one of you is engaged with me in a couple other areas. First of all, absolutely, if you haven't yet, go join the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group. It's totally free. There's now almost 500 Wellpreneurs in that group. And we're in there every day helping each other out. People are asking for feedback on their like new opt-ins. They're asking for recommendations on how to do webinars or build online programs. Everyone's sharing their tips and what they learned and doing referrals. And it's like so awesome. And it's a promotion-free zone. So if you're not in there yet, definitely come over to the Facebook group and join us and let us know that you came over through the podcast. The other thing is I've got a new guide 
Well, actually, it's a couple of months old, but it might be new to you. It's called My Six Steps to Starting Your Wellness Business Online. And if you're listening and you're just getting started, but you feel overwhelmed by online marketing, this is the free guide that you want to get. You can get that at wellpreneuronline.com slash six steps. And later this week, the week that this is airing, I've got some really amazing training to share with you that's totally free. So definitely make sure that you come over and get on my email list and join the Facebook group because this is the only time the podcast is coming out this week. So if you want to hear about it, you need to be connected with me in another way. So come connect with me like in the Facebook group or get the six steps guide and then you'll be sure to know when this training is available. Okay, so let's start talking about branding now and go over and listen to the interview with Phil Palin. Hi, Phil. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to finally be here. I know. Gosh, when did we meet? Like last summer sometime. And I was like, you have to come on the podcast. And finally now in January, it's happening. Here we are. 2016, a new year. (laughs) So where are you in the world right now? Because you split your time between a few different places, right? I do. I am uh, a traveling gypsy around the world with my little show. As long as I have my laptop, I can, you know, do work from anywhere. I am at home right now in LA. Awesome. I love this like mobile lifestyle. I feel the same way too. Just as long as I've got my laptop and probably a microphone, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so funny too. I travel with a few essentials and one of those essentials is my HD webcam because when it's the most inconvenient, I'll get a call from Access Hollywood and they'll say, Phil, can you hop on really quick and give us a comment on Kylie Jenner's lip injections? And I'm like, okay. And I'm like in sweatpants and haven't showered yet. So you never know when they're going to call, but I'm always ready. I've always got a good microphone and I've got a good camera and I'm always in a position to do any kind of like interview or whatever. Because you never know when they're going to call. Okay, so the people out there listening are like, wait, what? Access Hollywood <laughs> calls you on the phone <laughs> to ask for a quote on air. So why don't, this is kind of a good way to jump in. Why don't you yeah. tell us a bit about like what you do and why people like Access Hollywood are calling you on the phone? Sure. I am a brand strategist based in Los Angeles, originally from Canada, but now I travel all over the place. So I help mostly individuals build their brands and promote their brands using intelligent social media strategy. So a lot of my work basing myself in LA is with celebrities and public figures and clients in the entertainment industry. So I've worked on some pretty exciting shows like Shark Tank in the US and and American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, So You Think You Can Dance, Project Runway, X Factor, MasterChef Junior. I mean, I've got clients all over the place in a range of industries, which keeps my job fun. And so sometimes when there's drama going down in Hollywood, and they need a comment from a brand expert. I am the lucky one on the Rolodex. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. That's awesome. Can you kind of give us your backstory about how you even got into this? Yeah, it's a long story, but I'll tell you the highlights. I'll give you the highlight reel. Are you ready for that, Amanda? Go for it, yeah. About five years ago, I moved to LA after finishing up grad school in Florida, actually. Went there for a year. And I entered this competition prior to moving to LA, about four months before, I entered this competition to become Charlie Sheen's social media intern. At the peak of his craziness in the media, he had something going on every single day, it felt like. This was 2011. And out of 90,000 people, I made it to the top 50. 
And in doing that competition, I had another lead to intern for Ryan Seacrest. Two weeks before I was set to move out to LA, I got the internship with Ryan Seacrest. More excited about that than even the possibility of interning for Charlie Sheen. I said, hey, I'm moving to LA and I'm interning for Ryan Seacrest. The story, this was my fourth wave of press. I did over 100 interviews, TV, radio, all about my social media campaign for Charlie Sheen. Got a call the next day after I made that announcement from Ryan Seacrest, who said, um, the VP there said, Phil, we're firing you even before you start because you've connected Charlie Sheen to Ryan Seacrest in the media. And so it was about a week and a half before I was set to move to LA. No car, never been to the West Coast of the States ever, never been to California. And I, um, I moved to LA literally with nothing. And I couldn't tell anyone. Couldn't tell anyone that I wasn't interning. Had to stay silent for about four months. Ryan Seacrest people were like, yeah, you might not want to go back to the press and say you know, that you're not doing this. Just stay quiet. So I stayed quiet. I figured it out. Applied to agencies. Didn't get a job at any agency. Even though I had a master's degree, I was like, wait, why won't I get a job? So I ended up um, helping people that needed websites. And literally, my business launched because I found a need. There was a need for people to have help building their brand. People that were smaller than the clients that agencies would typically serve. And that served a beautiful foundation for me to start everything that I have now, which is a small, a very small agency that helps individuals and personal brands build and promote their brands. Awesome. You know, I didn't know that whole story. I think I just heard of it before. That's great. And I love (laughs) it. I think it shows a lot about your personality that like, so you won this competition or you came in the top 50. So most people would just be like, oh, I came in the top 50. But you actually went out and like promoted yourself, which is yeah. And so I think yeah. that's like, it must be in your blood to like go out and like promote yourself as a personal brand, which is awesome that now you can do that as a business. Yes, it felt for me. I mean, the fact that this is what I do for a job is still baffling to me. And especially now that I can do it anywhere, travel has become so much cheaper. It was very hard when I first started. And by the way, the reason I was in the top 50 was because I took this and created a social media campaign. It also helped me that I was Canadian and it helped me that. Canada talks a lot about people who are successful from Canada in entertainment and sports. And while I wasn't successful, I was a local connection to Charlie Sheen. There were 10 other Canadians in the running too, but we didn't hear much about them because I hustled day and night to figure out how to get people talking about me and no one else related to this story. And it was more educational for me, four months of this campaign than five years of university. So mm-hmm. really, yeah, quite an interesting experience. And it, and it was the perfect launching pad for me to do what I do now, which I don't even really consider work. I work hard, but I love my job. I have the best job. Are you kidding me? It's the best. So I think what you said, like just doing that for those four months was so much more educational than all those years of school. And I find that with my own business. And also like just today I was talking to a client and she, I helped her run her first challenge, like as a list building thing, like getting people in for a free challenge. And she just said, oh my gosh, like that she learned so much in those few weeks just by doing it. Like just going out and taking action is such a faster way to get to where you want to go than trying to study up on it or hear about other people doing it. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Okay. So let's talk about brands because 
Now, most of the people listening, everyone's working in health and wellness. Well, there's a few of you out there. I know there's some like knitters listening and other types of people listening, but the vast majority are in health and wellness and like getting started with their own business. And when I think of brands, I often think of like the big brands, you know, like Lululemon or like Reebok or, you know, Nike, like big brands. But what you do is actually help individuals, like you said, deal with their brand. So how do you define like what a brand is and why is it important for us as solopreneurs to be thinking about? Yeah, there are a lot of vague definitions of what a brand is out there. So I like to just really clarify this for everyone. Typically, your brand, we approach it in three steps. So first, before anything, we need to position it. You know, And I have a very simple formula for this. We need to position what you're doing The formula for positioning your brand is something you love with something others need. And now that I've told my story, you can see where that theory stems from, but it works. This isn't just about you. No one cares about you. They care about themselves. So how do you fit into that? What value do you bring to the table that's going to make me pay you willingly? And so I say people pay for needs. They don't pay for wants. If I buy a really expensive watch or you buy a really expensive purse, even though that's a want by other people's definitions, it's actually a need in terms of how we've defined it. So it's something to think about. It's not just about what you want to do. You know, you may want to have, you may have this idea for a brand that no one needs. And so that's setting you up for failure. I prefer the opposite approach. What is something someone needs? So you don't need to spend a lot of time and money on advertising because to be honest, most of us don't have a lot of time and most of us don't definitely don't have a lot of money. So why spend it on getting people to know who you are when in fact you could service people to satisfy a need that will... It's like a built-in mechanism, you know, to make sure, you know, to increase your business without having to work really, really hard to make sure people know who you are. So we position the brand. The formula is something you love with something others need. Once we know what the heck it is we're doing, then we need to show something for it. So we move on to stage two, which is building your brand, building something to show for it. So your brand identity, your photography, you know, I'm super big on on the photography you use to represent your brand. So brand identity, photography, social profile design, and your website, your web presence. Once we have something awesome to show for all of these, you know, all of these platforms, then we can promote it. And we promote it using lean marketing methods. So I'm a big fan of social media. And so, you know, we can prioritize your platforms and give each platform purpose so that you have motivation to update it and your audience knows what to expect and why they should follow you. That kind of breaks down the process of how to build a brand. And I think it also clarifies exactly what a brand is Mm -hmm. as it relates to individuals like us. Yeah, totally. No, that really makes sense. Thank you. I feel like people out there are probably thinking, oh my gosh, I have 50,000 things to do to start my new business. And now I have to think about a brand too. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, think of it this way. Your brand is the consistency between the in-person experience of you, the in-person version of you, and the online version of you. Because whether you like it or not, and you're juggling all different kinds of things, and maybe you think there's something more important than your brand, 
realize whether you like it or not, there are two ways that I'm consuming you, your content, your service, your product, or at least doing my spy work to figure out what you're all about. I may meet you in person. I may have the luxury of being face-to-face with you so I can have a first impression. I can you know, get a sense of your personality through the conversation we have. But chances are, I'm not going to have that luxury. Instead, I will find you online because I will Google your name before I buy something or before I hire you. Or because a friend you know, gave me a referral to you, I will find you online and I will form a first impression based on what you've built to show for who you are and why anyone should care. That, the co- building consistency between the in-person experience and the online version is what makes me tick. That's the foundation of, of my approach to all of this. Because if you're great, and then I go to your website and I feel like I've teleported back into um, a time machine back into 1994, we have a problem. And that is important. It's just as important as any other thing you're juggling as part of your business, for sure. And as you're saying that, it's making me think that actually everybody out there listening, all of us, we have a brand, whether we're consciously creating it or not. Because people are... Even if you've never done anything and never thought about it, just from what you're saying from your website, from the photos you use, from if it looks like it's from 1998, or if you're like all over the place and it looks different on every social profile, that's creating an impression in people's minds too. But it's like a scattered impression and it might not be the one that you want it to be. Yeah. Branding used to be a luxury. It used to be something that we could do building a personal brand. I mean, not for a corporation. Obviously, it's clear to people you know, that corporations and companies have brands, but it used to be a luxury if someone had a personal brand. It's like, wow, that's like taking your dog to doggy daycare. You know, that's a luxury. <laughs> but you know what? It isn't anymore. Now it exists whether you like it or not. And even if you have no web presence, that's still a brand in a way because I'm Googling you and I'm not finding you. That is not a positive thing anymore. I don't get a positive first reaction from that. I don't go, wow, this person's so smart. They've stayed off the internet. I go, wait, is this person living You know, 20 years behind? Why don't they have a website? Why aren't they active on social media? What do they have to show for who they are in real life? Because that's what I'm trying to find online. That's how people work. So my job is to make sure those two experiences are consistent so they land on you online and go, oh, okay, this person's mm-hmm. got their shit together. That's the first reaction I want. We're in the business of crafting first impressions. That's funny because as I'm doing research on people, I don't know, like I'll just... Sometimes I look up, you know, like competitors or you're just Googling people. Like when I was looking at doing a website redesign, obviously I'm looking up website designers and I was floored at how people can be website designers and have really outdated looking websites. (laughs) Yeah. And you just think, are people really hiring them? Like maybe people, the people that hire them have absolutely no concept about what a modern website looks like, but it's really shocking. And I, I wonder if, and this is a little bit like off the wall, but it just occurred to me, something else I've experienced is when I'll go to somebody's website and I'll think, oh, they look really hot. Like they look like they're really on it and know what they're doing. <laughs> and then I go to their pricing page and it's super cheap. And then I think, yeah. oh, they must not be very good, which is so interesting. This is like my immediate reaction. So does pricing play in? I mean, I don't know. Does that, does that play a part too? I think it definitely does. It has been a sick experiment 
for me over the past five years, building something from scratch. Because keep in mind, I've never worked for an agency. I have no agency experience to bring to the table to be able to do my own thing, which is rare. I think it's rare for people to get right out of school and go, wait, I'm not going to go work for someone else. I'm going to figure out my own thing and figure it out. I mean, I, I have figured it out. And so for me, I can tell you, I used to charge $30 an hour when I was start when I was making websites and now add another zero. And so that's been the, over the course of five years. But why? My work has gotten better, but also my brand has evolved and I've evolved with it. We all evolve as business people. And I think every single person out there, every single person listening would admit that. But why do people's brands online not typically evolve with them? It is so important. That's why I get new photos every single year. I was just saying to you before we clicked record that I'm taking next month off to get caught up on my own stuff. My brand hasn't changed in a while because what's that saying? The plumbers or the shoemakers, whatever, daughter, son, whatever, never has shoes or something. <laughs> I like that for my website because I, you know, there's only one of me and I've got 25 active clients. So I get pulled in a lot of different directions. And finally, I'm having a me month. I've earned it. But yeah, no, people judge a lot based on price. I find that by increasing your price, my time is spent more valuable. I should say my time is spent on more valuable projects. For me, if I'm not charging enough, then I'm not working with the caliber of client that I want. But at the same time, I'm very conscious of who my market is. My market is not corporations and big budgets, you know, big agency type budgets that have, you know, agency on retainer for twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month. That's mm-hmm. just not even my world. So I, I'm always conscious of balancing this. And I'll only change my prices as my brand evolves. And I have to be truly self-aware. You have to be truly self-aware of your quality, your value, and what you have to show for what you do. It's all about being self-aware. Yeah. And I think there's ways, and sorry, this is kind of on a little bit of tangent, everybody, but I think it's really interesting. Like, so I know you, Phil, wrote a book, for example, and that's a way that then you can help lots more people, even if they don't choose to work with you one-on-one. Yes. I've been doing what's called a brand audit and I've done hundreds. It won't be long before I've probably done at least a thousand of them. I, I do them almost every single day with people all over the world that find me. And I used to have to spend the brand on it, at least half of it. It's a two-hour meeting. The first half, I used to have to spend teaching people how to do stuff. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be nice to not have the pressure of teaching people how to do stuff, but instead have more of a creative, casual conversation after they've read my book? And then they come to the table and they already know all of the strategies that they need to implement. Instead, we can have you know, more of a free-flowing brainstorm session on their brand and the positioning and the build and the organization of all of that. So that is what's really helped having a book. In fact, I want to write another one. My, my first book is Shut Up and Tweet. It's all about Twitter. The next one is going to be all about branding. So I've really loved having the book for sure. It's super helpful. Cool. So let's shift it back to talking specifically about branding. And I'm thinking some of the people out there now are freaking out and are like, oh my gosh, my brand is all over the place and I'm just starting out and I don't have a big budget. So what are, in your opinion, like the top three or five things that someone should start with? Maybe that they can even start to do on their own to start to pull their brand and make it more conscious and cohesive. So step number one, revisit the positioning of your brand. What is it you're doing? 
And is there a need for that? Is your business working? If not, what can you change? What can you adjust? And who can you talk to to help you make these changes so that you're positioned for success and you're positioned doing something you love to do? Revisit that. It's something we should all revisit because a lot of times, even if our business is working, we're also not pursuing avenues of growth. So to revisit that at least once a year is really smart. Number two, photography. It is more important than your logo. Sometimes people come to me and they say, Phil, I don't have the budget to do all of this. So what do I start with? Photography. And they're like... This is so interesting because everybody says I need a logo first. No, no. That is false. And no one's opinion is more important than mine, Amanda. This is... (laughs) Noted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So no, you don't need a logo before you need photography. Because think of it when I meet you in real life. We have a conversation. I stare at your face when we're having a conversation. You don't hand me your business card with all your details and your logo on it. I don't care about that. I care about establishing a relationship with you before I decide whatever it is I'm going to do, before I decide if we're going to be friends, before I decide if we're going to work together. It's all about establishing a relationship before shoving your logo in someone's face. You can't afford to design a logo. Here's You need to eventually, but here's what you can do in the meantime. Find, there's all kinds of resources for this on the internet. Depending on what you use for your website, you can also you know, have access to some great fonts. Google Fonts, Typekit. Here's what you're going to do. Put your name or your brand in a really beautiful font that is clean. It's easy to read. It looks great. Do that for now. Stick with a consistent font. And I mean it, consistent across all your platforms. Start there. And then when you're ready and you've made enough money that you can save and build your business, then you build a brand identity. A logo is only one out of seven steps for your brand identity. Your logo, additional compositions of that for different usages, print and web, color, typography, sub-brands. A lot of people are building icons to represent sub-branded elements of your business. Mock-ups, web and print, email signature, podcast artwork. I could go on. There's a lot of different elements. And that is, you know, your logo is one small part of that. But don't do that until you're ready. For now, stick with a consistent font for your brand or your name. Cool. So basically, like a lot of people listening and myself included use Canva. So you could just go into Canva and just pick a nice font with a nice color, like something and just really simple and readable and create an image for it and then use that everywhere consistently and invest your money in a professional photo shoot. Exactly. And don't think that I'm saying that what you can create on your own in Canva is going to replace in the long run what a designer or an agency could do for you because it won't. Unless you're a designer, guess what? It's like designing your house. I mean, yeah, of course you could do it, but you could also hire an interior designer and they could do it 10 times better, no offense. It's the same thing for your logo, but you need to be realistic about what you can handle. And it's a balancing act. Having a business and a and being a solopreneur is a balancing act. So I understand if it's not something you can do right away, this is where you can start. If you can start to do that, I mean, especially in Canva, how great would it be to have images with a photographer that you know and trust to get some great, not just necessarily shots of you, but like shots of your, you know, things that are important to you or symbolic things. And then, you know, put some text over it, create a quote card for Instagram. I mean, let your ideas run wild. The beautiful thing is it's, they're all, it's all on the internet. So we can see what other people are doing. It's all out there. Just go look. Don't copy anyone, but you can be strongly inspired 
by what others are doing well, bring it all together. And that is your brand. Cool. So the places you'd start are first, like really checking your positioning, you said, and then the photography. And then is there something else that you think is another kind of easy win to get started on branding? Yes. I have to give you, as part of those three tips, I have to give you something about promoting your brand. You want to prioritize your platforms. I dedicate a a big section of the book to talking about this. Don't just exist on social media because it's something you feel you need to do. Exist on social media with purpose. So I give an example of this whenever I'm doing talks that about a year ago on Pinterest, I was, oh my God, I would hop on Pinterest once a month, pin for four hours and be like, see, I'm active on Pinterest. I would pin travel destinations that I wanted to go, recipes that I wanted to cook, all this kind of stuff. And then I thought randomly, it was a Sunday afternoon and I was home having a me day. And I thought, wait, Phil, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why don't you take your own advice for once? And what would I tell someone else to do? And I would tell someone else, no one cares about your recipes unless you're, unless food is a part of your brand. No one cares about your travel destinations unless travel is a part of your brand. Because guess what? I don't care about you. I care about me. What value does your Pinterest offer me? Because if it offers me value, then I'm going to follow you. And I was like, oh my God, I had this aha moment. So I started to, deleting all of these boards that I thought were actually not really that relevant to my brand. Instead, I made it all about branding. And now I pin great examples of branding, websites, business cards, logos, all kinds of stuff. And I've grown from 800 followers to 15,000 over the course of a year, from January to December. Spend about 10 minutes a day max pinning. And so you do it consistently, you do it with purpose. You give yourself framework so you know exactly what you're doing on that social media platform. And then you give your audience framework. You, tell, you, you show them what to expect by following you. And if it's something they like and get value from, they'll click that follow and they may even share stuff, which helps you grow your network. So mm-hmm. that's a little example about giving platforms purpose. You have to do it with every single one of them. And it's not easy. I'm still figuring out Instagram. For me, getting over my perfection paralysis you know, it's there, it's a challenge, but it's something you got to do. Definitely. I love that. And I love, I found Pinterest for my natural beauty website for Vintage Amanda. That is definitely the highest traffic source because mm-hmm. it's so, when you have good images, people just follow you and repin and share and click through and it's really great. So I, I love that. I can't believe you have 15,000 followers. Woohoo. That's awesome. And I didn't even like, I want to, I wish that I could say that I tried really hard to grow it, but I didn't. It just happened because I, I figured out a formula that worked really well for me. And so it's exciting when that happens. You know, that's when you position something and you know you've done it properly. It's gratifying. It's exciting to watch something grow when you know that you've done it. You know, that's a, an indication that what you've done is working. Absolutely. Try different things. And then as one starts to work, like you'll know it when you start to get traction and it starts working and then do more of that. <laughs> exactly. So I kind of want some like insider info. So like you work with a lot of celebrities on their brands and, you know, you don't have to give us details, but I'm just curious, like when you work with people that aren't just necessarily business owners, but that are really personalities and and doing different things in the world, what are some of the struggles that they come up against or the challenges that they have and or concerns when they're doing their brands? The concerns that public figures have or people with platforms are surprisingly similar to the same concerns that people have when they're literally building a brand from scratch. It is, I would say really truly, they all stem from having the consistency between, uh, particularly someone on television is how, how am I in real life versus 
how, you know, how do people see me through another medium, be it television, audio, if, if we're working with someone who's on the radio. I mean, it's uh, podcasting. It's so interesting. Typically, it's always specific concerns relating to that. You know, I want to make sure that when I'm interacting with people online, that they feel like it's actually me as opposed to, you know, someone I've hired to do my social media. You know, you want to make sure that people feel like they're getting you. And that's not always possible if I've got someone who's on television with thousands or sometimes millions of fans. Yeah, I would say it always really stems from there. And then the, you know, when you're just building a brand, it's like, how do I get people to care about what I'm doing? <laughs> it's and it's actually pretty similar. You know, you want to make sure you you have outlets to promote your brand. You want to make sure you have great content and people aren't just going to rush to your blog tomorrow because you created it today. Mm-hmm. You may go through a few months of feeling like people don't care, but guess what? You have to build your your fort. You have to build your platform. You have to build something to show for all of this and then it becomes a valuable resource for people. And then you'll start to grow your audience around satisfying a need. It really is shockingly similar. Um, mm. Every People at all different levels. I mean, there must be some, there's got to be some balance because there's, I'd imagine there's like, if you're a really, really well-known personality, it's the same thing for those of us that aren't well-known personalities, but like you have stuff that you're known for, right? And in our businesses, we have stuff that we should be talking about or we need to be talking about because it's part of our business. And then there's the like personal stuff. There's like the side of stuff that maybe doesn't have anything to do with your business, but it's still part of you. So do you look to incorporate both of those into a brand or how do you deal with that? Case by case, if you're juggling life insurance and parachuting, we have an issue. Those two brands probably aren't going to go super well together. However, a lot of times I always tell people to remember that as part of your brands, don't become a brand robot. You're a person. So don't feel bad about including things about you, about your personality. Every personal brand falls on a scale between two elements, between content and personality. Every single person falls on this ratio, this scale of these two elements. And so you need to have both. It's not one or the other. It's content and it's personality. The other thing I'll say is that we individuals looking at our own stuff are always afraid to be niche or niche, as they say here in America, which I really don't like that pronunciation. So I say niche. You know, it's like, oh my God, I'm so scared of, of limiting myself. You know, I'm so scared of um, having a niche. And then, I, and then it's like, wait a second, this is 2016, where we have access to everyone on the internet. Even if you have a niche, there's still, in fact, having a niche makes it easier to build a community around doing something specific. When you have a niche, it's not a bad thing. Uh, pigeonholed. I, people always say, oh my God, I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want to be you know, known. I don't want to just satisfy one particular thing. But then I say, okay, having a niche or being pigeonholed means that you're really good at one thing. And that's why people call you. That's not a bad thing. And in fact, for me, when I started, I didn't do social media and branding for everyone. I did it for personal brands. In fact, it was even more specific than that. I did it for TV hosts living in LA. And I'll tell you, that's how my business grew. Because I became the guy in LA to call to help, you know, for help on Twitter and for help with your website if you're a TV host. And then when you satisfy one audience really well, 
you build secondary and tertiary audiences around that. It happens when you do it really well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome advice. I know we all hear about you know niching down and picking a target market. You hear that over and over and over, but I completely agree with you from my personal experience too. It's when you get more specific that people think they read your stuff and they think, oh, he can really help me because you're not just a general branding person. You're the one that helps TV personalities. And then that completely resonates with them and they want to work with you. It's the same thing for in all of our businesses. And especially like what you said, because you can find anything on the internet. So finding something that's really specific to your situation is going to be much more effective in getting clients. Totally. It's like when you and I go to a website and you see something that you know, you've seen before, right? It, that's not a positive experience. Whereas you go to someone's website and, and it seems like they're satisfying your exact need. That's a much more positive reaction that will more than likely turn into uh, some kind of working relationship. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of getting short on time here, but I wanted to ask you a little bit more about photography because I know that's such an important element of our brand. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit of advice on how to make sure, what kind of photos do you even need? Or how do you even go about making sure that you're getting good photos? Obviously, you're going to work with a good, you need to find a good photographer, but what should people be looking for? What kind of photos do they want to get? Amanda Cook, you ask great questions. I love this question. And this is, when people ask me this, this is going to be very valuable for you, especially now if you're going, oh my God, Phil and Amanda said I need better photos. This is how it always happens. And then you're like, wait, what do I do? I'll give you very specific tips and advice that you can take back to your photographer today. So you can get a date on the calendar to get some updated shots. Because if you're still using your, your pageant beauty shot from 2001 as your profile photo on social media... It's not going to be too hot. Glamour shots. (laughs) Glamour shots, yeah. So when you're shooting with a photographer, don't feel like you need to hire someone super fancy and expensive. In fact, I typically hire grads, young people that are fresh out of college that have learned and sometimes are self-taught, but have learned to shoot for the internet. It's different. If you, I'm always actually more, more hesitant to shoot with a headshot photographer who's been doing it for 50 years. I'm like, well, times have changed, bucko, because you have to shoot in a different way for the internet, particularly lots of contrast. But that's not something you need to tell your photographer because if you choose the right photographer, they're already, already going to know that. You need tons of landscape shots. I have pretty much no use for a portrait shot other than on your about page to put beside your bio. Oh my gosh. Can I just say, yes, everyone listen to that advice because when I had my new photos done, we took lots of landscape shots because my photographer is brilliant. And it's so useful because you always want to put text over the top on social media or use it in like collage it in with something or blend it in with your graphic design. And you need to have the background that keeps going horizontally. So yes, yes, yes. Horizontal. Yes, definitely landscape. And because if you think of it, I mean, your Twitter header photo or cover photo, cover art, they always change the name of it. It's 1500 pixels by 500. YouTube is even slimmer. So until you actually you know, start, start branding yourself with, with all of these social media profile designs, that's when you realize, oh my God, everything is like this thin little banner style. And that's because it's, that, that works very well for responsive design. So you need landscape photos. Uh, portraits are pretty much useless, other than if you're cropping it as a square for a display picture, or as I said, putting it on your about. 
So then uh, along those lines, left and right justified photos, because a lot of times you'll be putting, if, if you're using it as the banner on your website, you'll be putting text or a spot for people to put their emails or whatever it is. So don't just be smack in the middle of every single photo. Left and right justified are the best options for you so that you have that kind of flexibility. And then shooting against a texture or a color is great because it's easy to replicate that in case you need to make it even wider. You know, sometimes clients will shoot against a brick wall and I'm like, yes, a brick wall, because I can recreate that if I need to make it even skinnier for challenging designs like YouTube, you know, is really probably the hardest one to design for. But yeah, those are just some tips. Left and right justified, lots of landscape photos, and lots of personality. I have a blog post about this if you want to read more tips for photographers. It's on my blog because I get this question at least once a day. Lots of personality. You don't need to be looking at the camera in every single photo. You can look off to the side. You can laugh. A lot of times, those are going to be the best shots when we capture you in your element. Those are the shots that I'm looking to pick out from the lot that represent you and your brand. Mm -hmm. Because that just visually is showing not just who you are, but your style and what you're doing and your personality and all of that in one. Like, it's amazing when you get real professional photos done, it is, it just up levels your entire online presence so much, even if you stick it on a not amazing website. It just, it, it kills me when I go to a website and I see just this horrible like photo that they've taken themselves. And you just think it just really drops the professionalism. So oh, completely, completely. And, and for photographers, keywords to type into Google to find one, editorial, lifestyle. And I often use um, wedding photographers for shots because they have a, re- you know, they're typically very good at, at having a beautiful aesthetic and that helps us. Mm, Awesome. Cool. Well, Phil, this has been so much fun talking to you. And if you send me through the link to that blog post, I'll include it in the show notes so everybody can read it. But tell us just before we go, tell us about your podcast. So actually, when I go back to meeting you, you mentioned that it was about a year, it was last summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were like, Phil, why on earth don't you have a podcast? You need to have one. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so you and I then met up again at New Media Europe in September, which motivated me. I always need a deadline. It motivated me to finally do something I wanted to do for a long time, which was create a podcast. I thought, I have fascinating conversations with people all over the world. And it's a shame that people don't get to sit in on these conversations. So I launched my podcast in the fall. You know, I've I've invited people over to my home to sit on my couch uh, with the microphone and have great conversations. We've talked about writing a song. One of my clients discovered Shale Crow. And so she teaches me all about her craft and and the art of storytelling. I have, uh, have a friend who's a Snapchat celebrity. So we chatted about strategy to grow your platform on on Snapchat. I've got another friend who does periscoping. Living in LA, you meet all kinds of interesting people. So every single guest I've had, they've come over to my house. Very casual. We sit here and we chat. And I make sure that people learn something really useful that they can apply to their business. So that's kind of the premise of my podcast. It's called No Filter. It's on iTunes. You can link it on my website. And I'll, um, I'm taking a little break for the month of January because the first, you know, last year was my experiment to figure it all out. Now I figured out my formula and my structure. So I'm working on uh, doing a bunch of episodes that I'll launch over the next few months. 
Cool. And I'll link that up in the show notes too. So thank you so much for joining us today, Phil. It was really awesome talking to you. And I have a feeling that editorial and lifestyle photographers are going to get a big bump in business now because everyone's going to run out to get new photos. Yes, I love it. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellprinter Podcast. Are you feeling totally inspired to go get new photography and totally up your brand? I loved this conversation with Phil and I hope you found it really useful to think about branding, which is something that we don't always talk about here when we're so focused on marketing, but yet it is so important. Now, don't forget, I've got some cool training coming later this week. So you want to hop over and connect with me in the Wellprinter Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group or get on my email list, which you can get onto by downloading the six steps guide, the six steps to starting your wellness business online. And that's at wellpreneuronline.com slash six steps. Awesome. Have a fantastic week. And as we're approaching episode 100, woohoo, I will see you back here next week with the next episode. 